What is up, the Real Champs podcast listeners? It's Mushtaq, your co-editor from the Real Champs, uh, back here again hosting another podcast. We're doing podcast five. We know it's been a while, so as a result in lieu of, we're going to do kind of like a double header, double feature kind of thing. So there will be a podcast five, and then tomorrow, the next day, of course, we're going to be releasing a podcast six, where we're going to talk about a whole bunch of other interesting things. I won't touch on it, though, because I want you to go and listen to it. Anyway, focusing on the task at hand right now, podcast number five. Um, it's been a while, like I said, and we apologize. Last time we talked, the transfer window hadn't closed yet. There were still three days left in it. So just to run down what we're going to chit-chat about, it's going to be our three for three in La Liga so far. The transfer window closed and what we kind of think of it, our upcoming game that's happening against Athletic Bilbao. And our Twitter questions that we got from some of our followers on Twitter, of course. Follow us at the Real Chance FS. Of course, I will let our super cool, super genius uh, contributors just welcome themselves and drop their socials. Hassan, if you'd like to go first. What's going on, guys? Uh, Hassan Karim here, as always. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at the Karim. Thanks for that. What's going on? I'm Anthony Shopa. At Shopa AJ, I am the Big Pineapple. Make sure you check it out. If anyone is wondering where our incredible accented Christopher McCormack is, unfortunately, he wasn't able to make today's podcast. Um, hopefully, he will be on podcast number eight or seven. I don't even know how to count anymore. <laughs> but anyways, Christopher will be back soon. Uh, let's get started. Our last game was against Girona, of course. We've been on the international break for about two weeks now. Um, just a whole rundown of questions. We'll just make this one a little bit more free-flowing than in previous uh, podcasts. Who stood out? What went right? What went wrong? Um, of course, Dale seems like he doesn't know how to stop scoring, which is quite wonderful. Benzema with two goals, which is... Guys, I think my prediction is going to come true. Um, and then Veron and Luka Modric also got their start. Of course, they had that super long run into the World Cup. They made it to the final. Of course, only Veron was triumphant. Um, but they got the start against Girona. So does this mean they're ready to go? Um, let's start slow. Anthony, who stood out to you in that game? I know it's been a while, but who really stood out? Well, you got to go with the obvious ones for me. It was Benzema and Bale. And honestly, I'm, I'm a little biased here because Sergio Ramos is my favorite player, but I thought he looked very solid and just moving forward and how we're playing more out of the center backs and letting the wingers kind of like explore forward a lot more. I think he did really well there. His passing looked sharp. And if Benzema keeps shooting and has his shooting boots like that, uh, we're not going to be missing anyone for the entire season. Well, let's hope none of the uh, the kid staff misplaced Benzema shooting the boots because it has been going great. Hassan, since you're always somewhat pessimistic anyway, <laughs> what went wrong for you in that game that seemed like it went pretty right for the most part? Um, there was a couple of sort of, I guess, standstills in the defensive transition going back. So occasionally Marcelo, when he got caught up the pitch, leave a huge gap, which Cruz, who isn't the most mobile man in the world, isn't always able to get across and stop those runs uh, down the left-hand side. So I think that was one of the reasons it led to the goal that Girona did get. Other than that, there wasn't a massive amount of negativity in this game, to be honest. It was quite positive. I mean, I thought they responded very well going 1-0 down to come back and just blitz them with four goals, uh, which is something last season we lacked hugely. So to be honest, there wasn't a huge amount of negativity in this game. You touched on Tony Cruz not being the most mobile player. Uh, and, you know, in a sense, that is true. You kind of see Tony Cruz play within his pockets of spaces. And, of course, he controls the ball. He controls the tempo of the game very well. I don't know about you guys, but oftentimes on my Twitter feed, I see people really taking the piss out of Tony Cruz, saying he's very lazy, he never tracks back, things like that. In today's day, I know we're kind of deviating from the Girona game, but in today's day, do you guys find that players are geared more towards one position and mastering a couple of skills 
either on the offensive end or defensive end? Or are players more diverse where we see more box-to-box players? What do you guys think of that criticism of Tony Cruz is really what I'm getting at. I think versatility is becoming a very growing thing in, 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 the, in the modern game. Um, you're finding players who are able to play various positions. I mean, if you want to look at midfielders, I mean, Serge Milinkovic Savic is one example. He plays pretty much everywhere. Uh, he can play defensive, he can play as a sort of playmaker, he can play as an attacking midfielder to some lesser degree. Uh, even up front, you get players like Dybala who play as cams, wingers, and strikers. It's I think it's becoming a growing trend, but you still have old school, you know, players like Cruz who are just set and very, very, very good at one particular thing, which is in his case controlling games. So I think it's a very sort of hit and miss thing. You can't expect everybody to be able to do it. It's nice when you see people are able to do it, but yeah, I guess it's just one of those. And do you guys think that having Tony Cruz there just kind of keeps, you know, the Casemiro and the Marcos Llorente going, at least at Real Madrid, because they need that kind of balance in the defensive end of the midfield, if that makes sense? 100%, yeah. I think, um, I hope Llorente gets more minutes this season than he got last. I think he is a solid performer, but uh, from what I have noticed again through the game so far, Casemiro has been very much actually disciplined for once. Instead of bombing up to play as a number nine, he's, stuck, he's actually stuck to being a defensive midfielder. Uh, if you look at his positioning, especially in the defensive transition, he usually sits in between Ramos and Varane. So he's able to sniff out counter-attacks should the opposing team break through the first press, obviously, between the forwards pressing them down. So um, I think it's it's going to be an interesting battle to see how they mix those two up. Because I think Cruz is going to start every single game that he can. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what Lopetegui's rotation policy is. I'm not really sure about Llorente the way you are. You seem a lot more confident in him than I am. But I think even just if you watch the first couple games with Casemiro, you can tell his passing wasn't like how Lope wanted it. And like you could tell he looked a little off. And you could say it's a World Cup hangover. But they were knocked out relatively early for Brazil's standards. So I'm not sure, and Lorente doesn't have my confidence, so I think I would rather see Tony Cruz taking a more defensive role rather than Lorente coming in for him. A lack of confidence due to age not playing enough, or you just think he doesn't cut it? Uh, I think it's a mix of not playing enough and not really cutting it, but that kind of goes hand-in-hand because if you don't play enough, I'm not going to be able to tell if you can actually play obviously but for me he just even when he does come in and I know it's garbage time and it's hard to like get going for that garbage time but like if that's your time to impress impress me and he just hasn't really done it so far fair enough I guess he has a very difficult position uh where you need to impress people because you know unless you're actually looking out for it it's it's really hard to catch unless it's you know a big tackle to the midfield, uh, but well, I'm looking you know, for the like next shot. It is garbage time. So, sorry, I'm still waiting for the next Shabby Alonso. So, that's where my standards are at. <laughs> that that is a tough <laughs> one. <laughs> um, you guys both mentioned Veron. We've t- we've been talking about the midfield. Um, in that game against Girona, Veron and Modric both started that game. It was their first game out of the three in La Liga so far that they've started. Uh, both of them came off the bench in both previous games, if I'm not, uh, if I'm getting that right. Now that they've started that one game against Girona, does that mean that they're ready to go? Like, just, you know, they've been, uh, what do you call the word? I forgot the word, but that's okay. You guys know what I mean. Do you think they're ready? I don't think so just yet. Um, I mean, Varane came on for the final 15 to 20 minutes. He was fairly solid in that in that respect, but I don't think he's completely fully fit if he's only playing 15 to 20 minutes in that game. Obviously, over the international break, he's played a considerable amount more. Also, captain decided big up the tweet that I put out. Um, yeah, he, drop that social. Drop that social, boys. Um, I think he, over the international break, he looked a lot more fit than he had in in 
recent time for sure. I mean, over pre-season, he didn't look very good whatsoever in the few glimpses we got. But against Girona, he got a short stint, which was, I'd say, good enough. Modric, on the other hand, I'm not so convinced. Uh, he was quiet, didn't really do much. It had some subtle touches here and there, but other than that, wasn't the typical maestro performance from the Croatian, really. I'm actually very scared for Luka Modric. And not because I don't think he can play. Of course he can play. He'll probably play with one. Um, but the thing is, like, just the, the fatigue over having such a long summer. I don't think people realize how many games Real Madrid played last season. And to think, had we progressed in the Copa del Rey, it would have been even more. Like, 62 games, that's it's almost an NBA season. For those of you who don't know, that's the National Basketball Association in North America. They play 82 games in a season, which is pretty ridiculously insane. But for a football team to play 62 games, I think it was like over five competitions, maybe six. That's it, It's quite an incredible feat. And of course, Modric is a huge part of all of those competitions. But Anthony, if you don't have Modric playing a consistent role to start, who do you fill in the midfield in Lua? Well, I thought you were going to say you're worried about Modric just because of Marco Asensio. I mean, we've all seen what he can do. Just even against Girona, he was dangerous the entire time, won us two penalty kicks, which were obvious penalty kicks. He just always gets himself in the right spot. He's got that engine going for him now. He's kind of got that boost of, all right, this is my moment. Like, I'm going to try and take as many minutes as I can. And I think Modric, since he's so fatigued and, like, Coming back slowly, which in my opinion is perfectly fine if you look at his stats and see how much ground he covered in all those games that almost all went into overtime. Uh, it, it just seems like Marco Asensio would be the one to take that slot, though, especially with uh, Lopez's system. Hasan, who would you put into the midfield if you don't have Modric available? Um, I'm a big advocate of Danny Sabaris, as we said just before the uh, podcast started in our little chat. I think um, he's got ridiculously high, uh, ridiculously high ceiling. To be honest, he's, he can control games. He's a threat pretty much everywhere. He's got a great work rate, and his pinpoint passing is just disgusting at times. It's almost like it's laser driven. Um, if you're looking to break a team down, and you know the later half of a game, which you know against a side like, you know, like a Levante or something like that, where it's proven tricky. He's the perfect player to unlock the door. I think he's the kind of player I'd like to see if Modric isn't playing. Fair. Um, I I don't know who I'd put in place of Modric because it, it's actually just kind of weird to think of him not playing. But also, happy birthday, Modric. It was his birthday three days ago, September 9th, I believe. Yep. And happy birthday to Sergio Ramos. His birthday was on September 8th. September is just a great month, I think. Just wonderful birthdays all around. Anyway, um, so we're talking about Modric, you know, being fit and ready to play, uh, you know, for the rest of the season kind of thing. Just obviously being a consistent starter. Definitely deserves to be, but will he have the the energy to expel over the whole season is a question. Um, Ramos, Benzema, and Carvajal so far have all played every minute of La Liga of, of this season, of course. Three games. Um what does Julian Lopetegui need to do to ensure their longevity? Of course, for Benzema, you have a little more versatility. You could take the option of just playing two up top or just one up top and isolate him. What you know, something you could do with Mariano Diaz. Of course, with him back, we'll get more into that later. Um, what what do you guys think does Julian need to do to ensure that these guys can make it through the whole season? without getting too tired and kind of increasing increasing that risk of injury? What? I think there's a fair decent rotation option, fairly few uh, rotation options in the team now. Um, obviously, with Carvajal, you've got Adrio Zola, who's a great option to bring in. Uh, Casemiro, you know, said, uh, Anthony doesn't like him so much. I'd say Mark Sorrentine, if he lives up to the potential that we saw from Alaves, could do a decent job. Uh, I'd say the biggest problem is up front, really. I don't think we have as many options up front. I mean, I know we've got Vasquez, who really hasn't seen much action. Uh, Mariano is still an unknown entity to some degree. 
but it's more sort of the left side that I'm thinking we've got a few issues. I don't really think we've got that many options there. Um, but I think in terms of midfield and defence, we've got plenty of options to keep people fit and firing. If you have to start a strong 11 and let's say cross your fingers, knock on wood, it doesn't happen. But you're playing a gig, a, a big game, a gig game, it's not even a word, <laughs> a big game against another big club. And Sergio Ramos isn't available. Who are you going to put in his position? You've got Nacho all day and the guy's the most versatile man on the planet. So I'm sure he'll do just as... Just as he's, been, he's been solid in Nacho so far, to be honest, in the, in the games he has been given. Um, and again, not to speak too much on it, but during the international break, he played um, alongside Ramos uh, yesterday. Yeah, I was going to say, Aspilicueta is sick, sick to his stomach right now. He couldn't get the spot over Nacho. It's crazy, that is. Absolutely crazy. Because Aspilicueta world-class as well. So. Did you guys see what Nacho said in one of the post games, uh, this international break about his time at Real Madrid. I did, yeah. Was it something along the lines of he goes, he could go anywhere right now and you know, probably get regular football, but he wants to stay at Madrid because it's Madrid or something along those lines. Absolutely warmed my heart. I was just like, man, like that's the definition of loyalty right there. Like, really, he's such a Cossack. He's a real one. He's a real one. I think we're good for this Girona game. Shall we jump into the transfer window? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right, cool. Uh, yes, like I said, jumping into the transfer window is the transfer window. Like I said earlier, last time we spoke, or last time we had a podcast, um, we hadn't even closed out the transfer window yet. So, again, we apologize for taking so long. It's just getting back to school and everything. We've all been quite busy. Uh, the biggest thing, well... I guess you could say four big things happen. Uh, you have Oriozola who came. You have Thibaut Courtois who came. You have Vinicius Jr. And Mariano Diaz. Who was your favorite signing? Or which signing are you most keen on seeing on the pitch this season? Probably Oriozola. I think he's got ridiculous, a ridiculous potential. Um, he was fantastic for you know Tosfidad in his entire tenure there. Uh, I think it, it'll be healthy for Carvalho. He finally has actual competition because let's be frank, Danilo wasn't really competition, um, and Nacho like doesn't really compete for that spot as much as he does left back. So yeah, I think that's the talent I'm excited. I was excited to see the battle between Carvalho and Abriozola play out. Definitely, it's always nice to have two world top us players in their own right. Well, maybe not Oriozola yet, but you kind of get the sense that yeah, he is sure. surely going to get there. But like like we both said, yet is the, the functional word in that statement there. Anthony, who are you most uh, excited to see about, or who are you excited most to well, see Well, I'm going to jump right on the bandwagon and say Vinicius Jr. I want to see this man on the pitch. I don't care how young he is. I don't. I don't care where we think we need to build him up a little bit. He could have came into that Girona game. I'm co- very confident in it. I really just want to see this guy play against the real deal, La Liga kind of, not the Castillas, not all the Segunda teams. I want to see him playing out on that left flank with Bale and with Benzema. Let's see how it goes. Type of deal. So now, if you play Vinicius, does that mean you're not playing Marco Asensio then? Um, I mean, if you want to throw him in, you're going to have to sac- – there's always going to have to be a sacrifice. Just like how I've wanted Isco to start now for like the past five years, but it's like, where do you put him? So, yeah, I'm willing to make a sacrifice to see what Vinicius can do. Uh, granted, it would probably be against like a smaller team or maybe in like the Spanish Cup or the Copa del Rey that he gets to like actually get his minutes, but – I would 100% sacrifice uh, Sensio's minutes to see if Vinicius had a, a shot. Now, I talked about this in an article that I wrote, so I'm going to be a hustling and plug myself. <laughs> I wrote an article on three reasons why Vinicius won't leave because there were rumors that he was going to go back to Brazil. Apparently, there was something, apparently, again, the functional word, that if he was not getting minutes with the first team, he would return back uh, to Brazil. 
Now, obviously, that's not going to happen. His agent said there's no way that's happening. He's been spending his time at the Castilla side. Um, I w- the thing that I, the way I see it is is that I would like to see him play. But what scares me, and I think what kind of scares Julian Lopetegui, knowing this is such an important season from a domestic point of view, is that say you go to Girona and Vinicius just doesn't do it, or even if he has a great game, bar having an assist or a goal, but Real Madrid lose, I think Julian would get a lot of heat saying, why did you start that kid? when there's so many other players on the bench who can start in, you know, in his spot. Like, it, it wouldn't make sense. So I totally agree with you, Anthony. I'd love to see him. I just think it's the, the risk factor is a bit too high, you know, in the event Madrid don't pull off the W and get the three Well, points. I just think this early in the season, if you play, like, if that Girona game, you really don't think he could have uh, went in there and made a little spark. You think it would have been that big of a flop? I don't think he would have been a flop at all, but did we not start off a game one down or something? That's just typical real. Yeah, we did, yeah. So, like, I'm not arguing, like, against you. I I totally see your point of view. But I'm just saying my worry is, is imagine you go one down. I think 2016-17 was a big season. Like, it it was really our comeback season because we always took so long to get the job done. But it was one of those seasons where we gave up a lot of points. And we gave up one, if not two, goals against teams we shouldn't have been giving goals up against. And we would just sneak away with a draw and grab the one point. So that that kind of adds to my point is, if that is the case, and you don't get three points at the end of the day, I feel like a lot of people are going to put the blame on Julian Lopetegui starting with Nisius Jr. People will say, oh, there isn't a mature enough attacking power. So they're going to find someone and something to blame, and I think it's going to be starting Vinicius instead of, say, Isco or Asensio or even Lucas Vasquez. I wish Christopher was here because he would totally add feel to that fight. Well, I mean, that's the risk you take of being a football manager. You're Not everyone's going to like your decisions. Some of them are going to be wrong. But you got to... Not you. But no, you got to... Uh... Bless you. You got to take some risks. That's how you become successful. I mean, look, you've seen careers made, make and break off that. Look at Jose Mourinho and his time with Porto, Inter Milan, and now look at him kind of doing his wild Jose Mourinho stuff. Like, you never know what the managers are going to do, but that's what great managers do. He can't even jump over a barricade. Oh, that was was so funny. to see. And then Spain got the win also. (laughs) It was just a great day. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, is it just me, or I don't know why, but that Oriozola signing just happened so early in the transfer window that sometimes I forget that we actually signed him. I think part of it has to do with that he hasn't been available for any of the games so far. I just feel so bad for forgetting about the kid. It's kind of I can understand why you would have forgotten. It was done so so early, and it was quite a quiet transfer. There wasn't much fanfare yeah. around. It was kind of just in the door done. Um, of course, he picked up a knock, I think, towards the latter end of preseason, so he's not been available as a result. Um, but I, from what I have read, I think he's fit again now, so I would expect him to be starting soonish, or at least rotating soonish. This surely isn't the first time we've mentioned or spoken on this topic, and it definitely won't be the last, but the goalie duel. Um, and just to wrap up our goalie situation, I believe we send Lucas Zidane back to the Castilla. Um, Andrei Lunin, who's the Ukrainian goalie that we saw yeah. this year, he's also been loaned out. Uh, so we had five. Now we have three. And typically you have three goalies uh, for this season. So right now we have Kiko Castilla, who's, who's actually Hassan's, like, idol. How the f- <laughs> <laughs> If you guys ever want to just, you know, make sure Hassan's having a great day, just mention him on Twitter. Be like, hey, Hassan, I hope you're watching, you know, Kiko Casilla in training because that's one of Hassan's favorite pastimes to watch Kiko yeah, in training. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at the at the, the last resort is, of course, Kiko Casilla. The first in section, section, the second option, 
going off of what we've seen so far, second would be Thibaut Courtois, and then the first would, of course, be Caleb Navas. Courtois got his first start in La Liga, um, well, this season, really. I guess Bart, you know, whatever. Um, against Girona. But, like, he didn't do anything. And it's not because he was lazy. He just didn't have to. He only faced one goal the whole game, and it was that penalty. So, it's kind of hard to say where everything stands because he didn't really get the opportunity to show his, I don't know, his class. So, getting back into the season, we have our first game against Atletico Bilbao, which is happening this weekend. And then we start against Roma. Just between those two games alone, who do you guys think will start those games? Wait, can, I, one, uh, uh, can, I just start some, can I just start some shit real quick? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you're awesome. Kaylor um, Navas would have saved that PK. All right, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, he's got a pretty good record at saving penalties. That's that's a fair comment, I'd say. <laughs> well, I was just, I remember, like, I think Kaylor let in. It was like a rebound goal against Girona, and I just saw all these Chelsea people going, oh, Courtois would have saved that. I was like, it was a rebound <laughs> missile to the top right corner. What do you mean? So, now, that happened. Yeah, I actually saw, I saw the same thing. People just, just shit on Navas. So yeah, quickly. so you know what? I'm going to throw that back at you guys. Navas would save that penalty. Courtois, what are you doing? For the first time in history, Anthony and I are on the same side. <laughs> we both agree. Oh, Jesus. But uh, just just back to the question, the first and second games back, Atletico Bilbao in La Liga, Roma in the Champions League. Um, who would you start, or who do you guys think is going to start both those games? I think I've got a feeling Navas is going to start the league game against Bilbao, and I can see Courtois in the Champions League. Damn, really? Old. I was going to say the yeah. opposite. That's old. <laughs> Do you guys think that um, Kaylor Navas would be happy if Lopetegui sat him down and said, "Listen, I'm going to let Courtois take." the La Liga games and you're going to do Champions League and Copa del Rey and any other, you know, extracurricular competitions we have. Do you think he'd be okay with that? Yeah, I think he'd probably turn around and say, yeah, as long as it's not Kiko Kassir because that's putting disrespect on my name. No, I, <laughs> I think they'd rather have, like, uh, Kaylor Navas would be like, no, can we just put Mushtaq in that instead, please? Like, <laughs> Stick him in the net. Um, yeah, exactly. I think can you Navas... deal with the white handkerchief? I think. Sorry. Can you deal with the white hanky time though? Oh my god, no! I'd probably just start crying. Be like, guys, I'm so sorry. I tried. Like, <laughs> Anthony, who would you uh, use in your first two games back? Uh, I was gonna say I think Courtois will probably take the league game because Kaylor Navas has not been knocked out of the Champions League for three years now. And he is a huge part of why that happened. Uh, I don't know even how that's an argument for some people, but Kaylor Navas is a big reason of why we didn't lose to the Bayern Munichs, to the Juventuses, to the big guys, pretty much. Kaylor Navas is a massive reason. So to take him out of the Champions that League. That was a heavy hitting point right there. Take him there. out of the Champions League. The reason why his teams went out. I think it's a two sided point, but um, I both agree and disagree with it. You can't Damn, do that. Damn, Daniel, that's all I you got. You can't do that. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, it's got two sides to it because there is some moments where it's like, yeah, he's just pulled off in an incredible save. And there's also moments where he lets in a complete blunder. And it's just like, what are you doing? Didn't he let in like a weird goal against Juve? Yeah, he let in a weird one against Juve. There was a couple that yeah. season. The season before, as I remember, I think when we were playing against Napoli and he just completely missed the ball coming out for it or something like that. I feel like it, the good just outweighs the bad for me. No, it does. Hundred percent, it does. But like, there's sometimes where he puts us in those scenarios, and it's just like, why, why have you done that? But like Anthony said, experience-wise, like this guy's killed it. No, no, it's true. It's literally the best, the best teams. So I, I just don't personally. I don't really feel comfortable yet with Courtois being the goalie. And I know that sounds weird, Golden Glove winner, all that. Most penalty saves last year with Chelsea. But I'd like for him to warm up his gloves, if that makes that's, sense. That's obviously a natural thing. 
My only fear with Kotar, and it's the same problem with with Navas, is they're both not great with distribution. I don't feel either of them are particularly great at distribution. Obviously, I know you've obviously always got the whole hipster movement of goalkeepers need to be able to use their feet nowadays, and it's somewhat range. I feel like Courtois is quite quite sound with his footwork. Not the best. He's not the best. No, his, but uh, his distribution is better. It's better than Navas. Oh sure man, really? What about that dive it Navas threw yeah. to Isco for that bail goal? No, no, no. I'm talking about oh, with okay. his feet though. Yeah. Even if like even the ability if those to are play back to the goalie and for Courtois to actually push the ball up again, whether it's like a, a neat little dink just in the first third, like in the defensive third, or even a long ball. But yeah, I think I, I can remember quite a few highlights in my head, not necessarily like who was against or who necessarily did it, but you know, Navas just like whipping that ball out like thirty yards to a player in the midfield, like. That I agree with you on for sure. I would say handheld distribution, Navas foot distribution, Courtois. I think in Lopetegui's system, it's going to be important to be honest because he's obviously very reliant on playing out the back. Um, a key for good feet can be key, so it'll be interesting to see how they both develop in that regard. As long as Navas doesn't do a petter check, that's that's all good. Oh my gosh, please just knock on wood. Um, I don't think I could see him in the helmet. I can't picture it. His hair's too beautiful. Well, <laughs> besides that whole top knot thing you got going on for a bit, that was just atrocious. <laughs> that the was samurai? Horrible. Yeah, the samurai. Cause it showed, like, that it made so his hairline look beyond clapped. It was ridiculous. <laughs> clapped. Clapped said clapped. <laughs> um, we also need to get Gareth Bale a new hairstyle, please. What? Like, what Yo, Gareth Bale rocking the Tarzan. No. Bale has to return to 2013. The, the passing line and yes. the coma. But bring that back, boy. That was Bale coming in knowing, like, damn, I'm in Madrid. I got to look good. Like, he came in looking so Yeah, fresh. but then you had Ronaldo Spaghetti and, and you're like, um... <laughs> Oh, God. Ridiculous. Um, anyway, that's our goalie duel. We shall see how it plays out. We'll definitely keep it up on Twitter. Hassan Fool. I'm sure keep it up on Twitter. I'm the man on Twitter. So we right get now. to see. <laughs> um going into our next game, of course we're playing Athletic Bilbao. Also, I think you and I were kind of looking at what they've been doing so far. Uh while it is going to be match day four or however you want to think about it in La Liga, uh Athletic Bilbao have only played two games so far. Their first game was against Pesca. Uh that is how it's pronounced. I checked. Sorry. Actually, no, that was their second game. The first game was against Leganes at home, where they won 2 1. And then the second game was against Huesca, where they uh, where it was a draw 2 2. So they played both their games at home. Their third game was supposed to be against Rio Vallecano. Uh, also, no, that was going to be away, but that was postponed for some reason. Hassan, do you know why it was postponed? I actually don't know why it was postponed. Uh, let's see if I can find that one out in the meantime. But... Shock. Hassan doesn't know something. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, mark this day down. Uh, and then, of course, their fourth game will be against us. And it'll also be a home game for them. Uh, lucky guys. Playing at home. I yeah, very lucky. Advantage. Yeah. Uh, let's just think about it this way. We've had our international break. Some people have played just friendly. Some people have played... One friendly and one competitive game. Uh, I don't. I don't think anyone played two Nations League games, but I could be wrong. Who knows? Anyway, quite a few people were on uh, international break. I think it was thirteen players in total. Uh, who do you think is likely to start, or shall we just say, who that went on international break is likely to sit and get a rest? Um, if anyone, I don't think many people will be getting. Much rest, really. I think we will play the whole what do you call the Gala XI. Um, mm-hmm. So I imagine most of the starters who are fit and firing will start that game. I'd be surprised if he rotates because Bill Bowerway can be a tricky game, as we found out last season. Um, it, it's always been a tricky game, Bill Bowerway. It's it's just one of them sides that's not exactly a poor side. So I'd say that it's I'd say Bill Bow in transition. I mean, they went. Do a different coach last year. Obviously, Valverde leaving the year before. Um, and so far, besides the league games, they obviously did play Europa League qualifiers not that long ago. I don't think. No, they didn't. Ignore me. Ignore me. That was something else. Um, yeah. No. 
they've not been massively convincing up to now. Um, they had a sticky game against Leganes where they actually scored the winning goal in the 93rd minute. So, um, and that was at home. So I think if they're taking it up to that point, then against Wesker, they conceded in the 87th minute. So I think it's not going to be as tricky as years gone by. Well, for those who are curious of all of our 13 players who did travel for the international break, the person that went thus far was uh, Brazilian Casemiro, who, of course, joined Brazil. Uh, he traveled to the United States of America. Hey! Anthony's okay. homeland. Hey! Just the best country <laughs> in the world. Yeehaw! Um, he traveled to the U.S. for two, uh, two friendlies. Of course, no Nations League for him because... If you haven't taken geography class yet, Brazil is not in Europe. But when are we going to get a South American tournament? Should we start setting that up, guys? Yeah, set it um, up. None of us live in South America. but Well, sure, I guys. still we need a tournament over here. We can combine North America, South America. Let's get a tournament going, man. Yeah, we all know South America is going to win. North America. Well, I just tried to split it point. up, and you wanted to put them together, man. Well, we have to put them together because we're going to have three countries in North America. This will be absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> can, can you imagine? So we all know Canada is going to come dead last. There's like no but you point. you have a team? I don't even see it. Yeah, uh, we did. Okay. That's just <laughs> the disrespect. The disrespect. I can name one person on the Canadian team, and his name is Hutchinson, and he plays center mid. I, I can't name anybody. Cause I don't know. Anybody. I only know him because his card came up in FIFA Ultimate Team. To be honest, Steve Nash. Steve Nash. Too. Well, Steve Nash. He's coming out of like post retirement to come and play for the Canadian National. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Justin Bieber. You know what, Anthony? Coming. You know, Anthony, you're talking quite a bit of smack, but need I remind you, you didn't qualify for the World Cup, and you have Ooh. ten times the population of Canada. And Christian Pulisic. you lost against Panama. And you lost against Panama. What were you guys doing that whole time? (laughs) Oh, we were just chilling, Uh, keeping the world peaceful. That's all. Yeah, we were just like giving out aid, making sure everyone's got free health care, just things like that. You know, just keeping it real. And then there's me. We were just focusing on I'm from England and football didn't come home, but I don't care because I hate England. Okay, I'm going to edit that part out. So if you just hear a long beep, you won't know what Hassan actually said because that was incriminating. Um, back to this next game. We'll have another podcast where Anthony and I try to take over the football world of the Western Hemisphere. Um, what, what do you think is the key thing to watch, Hassan? I know you said that last year was a bit of a tricky game and your recollection of games in past seasons is a lot better than mine. Uh, like you said, they gave up a late goal against Huesca. Do you think they have that defensive vulnerability, or what do you think is your well, your, your thing? Because their back line is pretty much largely the same as it has been in recent years. I just think, obviously, losing Kepper was a big deal, uh, and they've not really replaced him. I know they brought in the, I think it's an academy product. So, I don't think that they're as tough at the back as they used to be. So. I've seen in the last two games, they've let up a, a late goal and they need to score late goals to get through. So it looks like they have trouble seeing games through, which could just be a bonus for us. If we can control possession and just pass them around, I think they'll crack fairly quickly. Well, hopefully we don't take long to score our goals and just get right to it like we have in the first three games. Anthony, who is your... Or not who. My gosh, I apologize. What do you... Th- uh, what are you looking out for? I mean, Bill Bow, I think they have Real Madrid has that effect that people are like, oh shit, we're playing Real Madrid. Like, it's kind of like that step up, like, this is their final because they're playing against Real Madrid. They're playing against the three time in a row European champions. Like, this is the show. This is the game that people are going to come out for. This is the game that they want you to shock them. So I feel like they really all step up for that. Plus, Bilbao away has always just been an issue for Madrid. We've dropped points there what well, feels like the past five seasons. So, I just am always worried about Bilbao. And, yes, they did take a hit with the goalkeeper. But they have a couple more pieces that they brought in for their back line that I think is 
going to mesh well, and hopefully their goalkeeper can also help them out with the back line. Hopefully we can destroy the back line. That's all I'm looking for. Hey, I'm just looking for a little bit of, you know, Spanish love, like, help the competition out a little bit. I don't want to roll over everyone like usual. That is so un-American of you. Gosh. (laughs) That's true. Why would you say that? Why would you say that? Um, so that's our next game against Atletico Bilbao, like we said, which is happening on September 15th. And then from there, we're going to be playing Roma in the group stage of the Champions League. We both mentioned European competition. Uh, apparently, UEFA is so fed up of Real Madrid winning the Champions League, they've now decided to make a new competition. Just a little FYI. I don't even understand how it's going to work. Who's going to be in it? It's gonna be it's gonna be Team US and Team Canada. That's what yeah, they made it for. It's, it's for Anthony Canada. Canada. Yeah, that's it's it. Like, nobody it's even watches the Europa League. Like, why would they introduce a third one? I think if they for all the, the second one. I think it. it's for all the English stupid. teams that are upset that they didn't make Europa League. Yeah, I guess it's so probably I'm... that. I mean, it's hard to make it into the Europa competitions for smaller sides, obviously due to financial constraints, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's just in terms of viewership, I can't imagine it's going to pick up huge viewership. It's going to be really interesting to see, you know, if and when it happens. Like, is Spain going to be the one to dominate it as well? Like, again? Because if you look at the last five years of Champions League football, all Spanish teams, you look at the last five years of Europa, I think it's like four Spanish teams. Spanish teams. Four Spanish teams and Manchester United. Absolutely not. Yeah, like all you have is Real, Atleti, Barca, and Valencia amongst those, and Sevilla, thank you, amongst those two competitions, just like hammering away at the trophies. I mean, Sevilla won three in a row, didn't they? Yes. Crazy. That was with with Emery, right? They should just leave the trophy in Spain, so that way it doesn't have to fly as Hey, we're just trying to save you money here. Exactly. Practical. Well, let's get into our Twitter questions. Uh, we got two Twitter questions from some of the fans. Uh, of course, follow us at the Real Chance FS. We're starting to do a lot of like Twitter Q and A. Of course, you can send in your questions to us because we know that you ever so kindly value our opinions. So thank you. We actually really appreciate all the interactions, and we really do enjoy talking to you guys. Even though sometimes you say some absolutely unruly <laughs> things which make no sense whatsoever. There's a lot of trolls out there. My God. Someone tried dissing Sergio Ramos because he's won two La Ligas or something. And I was like, wow, you picked out the one thing. Congratulations. I hope you're happy. Well, anyway, isn't it? It's just one of, one of them ones, you know? You know. I'm trying to speak like a British person. That didn't sound nope. British. That sounded... You sounded like Sylvester Stallone or something like that. No, I was trying to like use the lingo you guys use, but not in your silly accent. Hell out of here. <laughs> and it wasn't a very good attempt. What happened to the episode where you're gonna do it in a full British accent? You said that the last time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next one. Uh... Easy fam, don't worry, don't stress. Everyone is listening, get out of his Twitter and force him to do this. Yeah, literally follow me because I have like three followers. M Nizamdin seven. That's the at. Um, our first question is from. I'm sorry if I butcher this. Uh, I apologize ahead of time. Alap underscore Trevetti. Uh, this person says, "Will we end up like Arsenal if we have to finance our own stadium, or worse, without any naming right partners?" Um, I know a bit of background on this, but I'll let you guys take it crack at it first and see what you think. So I don't think we'll end up like Arsenal, really, because here's the difference between us and Arsenal. Uh, In terms of revenue, Arsenal didn't see much in terms of uh, percentage increase year on year until I think in the last five odd years. And I think they only just recently broke the 400 million revenue mark. Whereas in comparison, Madrid made 750 million in revenues in the last financial year, and that doesn't include the sales of people like Ronaldo. So the debt itself, the reason that we won't, it won't be such a problem is because in terms of assets, um, name value, all that sort of thing, it, 
it's not such a problem for Madrid. They can fund that pretty easily. Plus, Spanish banks, let's be frank, they just they don't really have ethics. They just let people fall into debt. I'm pretty sure Barcelona have a similar debt level around 563 million if we were to put the stadium through. Because I'm pretty sure last year or the year before, Perez cleaned the club's debt. So this will be the first time we've had debt in two years. Spanish clubs, literally, they all every major Spanish club is in debt to some degree. Spanish banks don't care. So, yeah, it won't be such a problem. We won't end up like Arsenal sign players like Abu Dhabi who never play <laughs> and Sh- and Shamak and all these other shit houses that they sign. Um, we'll be fine. We'll still be able to sign decent sides and decent players. So, don't worry. We'll be fine. I thought that Shamak kid was pretty decent. He was not. He was woeful. And did you see his hair? I just love the name. I think... Yeah, I think I just like the hair. He kind of looked like a ghetto Ronaldo, to be honest. Like, he looked like a knockoff Ronaldo. You know, like one that you find in, like... What about Chinese, his hair like, did you like? His, his hairline was the worst thing I've ever seen. I mean, hair back then could always be criticized, because I don't know what the hell was happening at that point in history. It was received um, so badly. It was ridiculous. It's like, to shave it off, man, except defeat, you're going bald. Anthony, what do you think? Are we going to end up like Arsenal? First of all, we're shouting out Arsenal legends. I just want to say all hail Lord Bentner, even though he just got arrested for punching a taxi off a uh, driver in the face. But, Lord um, Bentner's the GOAT. Yeah, he, he is. He's a great. He has more Premier League goals than Lionel Messi. Yeah, exactly. Right there. Damn, he, that's pretty good. He scored more goals for Denmark than Messi has. Yeah, exactly. By the way, if anyone takes that seriously, I'm kidding, by the way. I know Messi doesn't play for Denmark. I'm not that fucking stupid. <laughs> no, I think it's... Uh, honestly, I'm kind of disrespected that we're even being put in the same like category as Arsenal, even if they are similar situations. Like like he said with our finances, we almost made double what they made. Like, and this is the first time they made it out of the 400s. So I think that Perez... Being the businessman he is, he has a plan. So if he's going to get this new stadium, it's going to be an exquisite stadium, first of all. And also, he's definitely got some uh, – it might be some shady business that we won't hear about until after the fact. But this man definitely has a plan. Real Madrid's one of the richest uh, franchises on the planet. So I just don't see it really going down the way Arsenal did. Plus, the other thing you got to consider is we don't have a board like Arsenal. Arsenal's board is extremely tight. They don't really spend on players as such. I mean, even when they had the facility to spend on players, they didn't spend huge amounts. Ozil costs around 40-odd million. Sanchez is around the same. They don't really have the whole idea of spending big money on big players. Uh, that's the other thing you need to consider as well. Well, just jumping off both of what you guys said, um, I don't know if any of the listeners have been um, in tune with the whole situation, but uh, there has been a loan that has apparently been approved for the 500 million euros that would cost her kind of rejuvenate the, the stadium. And also that 500 million goes beyond just the stadium itself, which is something I didn't know until I read the article Uh, that lump sum is actually supposed to contribute to uh, Real Madrid's training facilities as well and upgrading them. I, I don't know what they're upgrading there because it looks like a freaking hotel. That's okay. I thought you were going to say that it's going towards the uh, Mbappe fund that is coming in the <laughs> or next. <laughs> also, if you look at it, uh, Real Madrid have had, I think they had a negative transfer window in one, if not two summers yep, in the two, last few years. Two summers. Uh, yeah, two summers. So a huge lump sum of saving and, and money there. Uh, the thing about Real Madrid is because they're not spending money on Galacticos and the Galactico policy isn't really a thing anymore, um, it's just that you don't think that it doesn't give off the idea that they have the money because they're just not spending the money. Uh, but if you know what's going on behind closed doors, like Cousin said, Paris just wiped out. Real Madrid's debt two years ago. That that's a really big thing. It puts you in great financial standing. Um, the stadium didn't go off the plan, of course. Uh, the locals, along with the mayor and the city of Madrid, weren't too keen on the stadium being called the Abu Dhabi Stadium. Uh, oh, part yeah. of that just that's horrible. Part of that just goes down to history. Uh, if you guys have looked at history. 
um, in Spanish history and kind of what happened there. A lot of it kind of has to do with pride. Uh, they weren't keen on having an Arab nation, uh, you know, kind of. Yes, I know Abu Dhabi's a city, by the way. <laughs> but just having, you know, an Arab city as their title of their of their building, it didn't sit well with the locals. Also, uh, I did read somewhere that Adidas's contract with Real Madrid is expiring in 2021, and Nike and Under Armour are the front runners. So that would be really interesting. I hope we go with Nike again. Both Anthony House and both of you guys said, you know, how big of a club, how big of a name Real Madrid is around the world. Uh, both, both those companies. I'm guessing it's going to be Nike though, are going to splash a huge lump sum of cash to get, you know that jersey right for the next five to ten years or however long it may be. Well, you can guarantee so it's going to be a big we'll fee. like Arsenal. Sorry. You can guarantee it's going to be a big fee. I mean, I think Manchester United currently has the biggest kit deal, and that's with Adidas. Yes, they do. Um, so you can guarantee that Nike are going to want to one-up the competition and potentially stick a boatload of money in there, which could go towards that. The main thing to consider, though, is Perez has still got to put this past um, the board and the committee, I think which stands at around 2,200 people. He's got to make agree. He's got to get two-thirds of those people to agree. So he could still get shafted and told to do one in that sense. He could get told to do one, but at the same time, I think this really will happen. Yeah, so do I. I won't be surprised. Renovation, because it really adds and cements Florentino Perez's time as the president of Real Madrid. And let's also remember, if he can get the board on his side, there are a lot of very insanely wealthy people on that board who would not mind shelling out a couple million here or there. And like you said, that board is pretty big. So even if one person just, you know, coughs up a million dollars, it's going to go a long way. So I don't think we're going to be in any in any risky or weird situations like Arsenal when it comes to stadiums or naming right partners. I think we're good with that question. I talked for way too long. Hope we answered um, that for him <laughs> or her. Yeah, the, I think that was chat. very thorough. That we that was like the real champs podcast mixed with like a bit of business insider. It was, uh, you know, and a hint of Wall Street Journal over there. Forbes, if you anyway, want my CV, it's available. Yeah, for, <laughs> Forbes as well. Just all all the great things. Um, at nineteen eighty eight fourteen Citro one asked, how flexible can Lopetegui's style be this season? I, meaning this person who asked the question, uh, think everyone's worst nightmare is Spain versus Russia. All pointless possession with no backup plan. We'll gain stability by sacrificing the Z's with tactical flexibility. But that made us an unpredictable, that made us unpredictable and dangerous too. I think there's a lot to that question. The first part, uh... how flexible can Lopetegui's style be this season? Um, this person who mentioned the Spain versus Russia game, uh, a lot of pointless possession. I believe Spain had something like nearly three quarters of the possession. Yeah, something ludicrous. Uh, they had, yeah, they had over a, a thousand passes in that game. And in comparison, you then had Russia, who had about three hundred some odd passes. So you're looking at about literally three times over three times, you know, give or take. The amount of passes so it just goes to show you you know that possession game that even though you always have the ball it doesn't necessarily mean that good things will come but again I mean Hassan obviously you'll take this crack at this one because you know you know quite a bit about the Spanish national team just what were your like what are your thoughts on that difference of you know Julian Spain and then the Spain of now and of course Real Madrid so to answer that question I think there's not much correlation between the Spain we saw against Russia and the one that Lopetegui implements in Madrid. Um, the main thing being that obviously Lopetegui had been sacked by that point, so I think there would have been a slight change of system with Hierro coming in. Or he may have kept it largely the same, but I don't think he did. If you compare Spain and sort of the, uh, the friendlies and stuff they played leading up to the World Cup, it was a different look. Uh, they were a lot more pressing they were very much they had a lot more intent in their in their passing and build up whereas they were very stagnant at the world cup they didn't seem to have much intent in the same regard uh the other thing i was going to say is they don't have as many x factors that madrid have also 
So, you know, a player like Bale and uh, being able to, you know, dart past the, the defensive line, they don't have a player like that in the Spanish setup. Same with Benzema, you know, a striker like that, he's not like Diego Costa. He drops back and plays as a cam at times. Um, they don't have an attacking fullback in the mould of Marcelo, to be honest. I know Albert does bomb forward, but is he anyway near as effective skillfully, at least, as Marcelo? I don't think so. So I don't think you'll see as much stagnant movement that you would have seen like against Russia. There's more pressing and counter-pressing involved in Lopetegui's system. So no, I don't think we'll gain that issue. And I think that there's players that we've got that are very good plan B players. If we do eventually see Vinicius step in, Spain don't have players like that. Uh, Mariana Diaz, another one. So I think there's more plan B to Lopetegui in Madrid than there would have been that you saw in the Spain-Russia game, to be honest. That was a very thorough answer. I was about to say, I don't have anything to add. That's pretty much everything I was going to cover. Smashed it. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I did want to add, though, is this person kind of made a statement in their question saying, quote, we'll gain stability by sacrificing Zizou's tactical flexibility. And um, in my eyes, at least, I feel like we seemed very one, maybe two-dimensional uh, under Zidane. And again, like that's 110%. Not... Sorry? 110% agree with that. They were very, it was very much... Zidane's, Zidane didn't have a system, so to speak. Um, it was very much, and I know all the Twitter, football Twitter guys are going to be like agreeing with this statement, but it was very much cross FC. I mean, you only have to watch his, his statement in the uh, dressing room at Cardiff. He pretty much flat out says to Marcelo and Dan, uh, Danny Carvalho, get to the byline and cross the ball in, but he says it in a much more passionate and nice manner than that. But um, it did get predictable. It was a case of, well, if a team just packs out the flanks, they'll struggle to come down to it. And the Zidane system de- definitely did rely on individual brilliance from you know players like your Iscos, your Marcelos, your Ronaldos. It relied very heavily on them performing big in big moments. Whereas Lopetegui, it's more of a collective. It's a sense of we'll build it together. And if uh, eventually it will come down to, you know, an Asensio long shot or a Bale long shot or Benzema dribbling past three people on the edge of the box and piling into the far corner. It's much more unpredictable now than I'd say it was under Zidane, for sure. I I, I definitely agree. And that you kind of just took my point and, and ran with it. I honestly love the way you said it. But yeah, that I don't know. I think uh, I think this Lopetegui style and system is going to be very good for Real Madrid, especially because of that link he has with so many of these players. Like even if they weren't part of the first team, like Danny Ceballos, he already knows them. You know their strengths, their weaknesses, and it's kind of just you know molding the clay in a way. So there's other things we're seeing as well. It's like it's like Sergio Ramos's uh, pinpoint long like diagonal passes. I can't remember yes. seeing that much of that under Zidane, to be honest. Yes, it. I I think that's one thing I've picked up on in that back line. It's just like Ramos's distribution, it's and not even just balls on scary. the ground. Just, like you said, just like sending it over the top. I I think he goes maybe five for ten or six for ten, which is pretty damn good for a center back to do. Exactly. So it's it's definitely, um, I think it's a different animal that you're facing now in Madrid for sure. I mean, obviously there was that regard anyway, but I think Ronaldo going, it will leave people not sure who the, the real danger man in that team is because there seems to be so many so far from what we've seen. So it's definitely, um, definitely a new look and I think it will definitely profit going forward the deeper it gets. I like that point right there that you made about nobody knows who the danger man is because, like you said, we got a bunch of different people attacking. I mean, people probably thought it was Bale. And then you have Benzema coming in, getting a brace. Then we go on international exactly. and you see what Marco Asensio did to Croatia. So you don't really know who the danger man is going to be. Yep. There's no double team anymore. There's oftentimes a double team on Ronaldo. Well, you know, have you got the yet? Because the Italian league are throwing the triple team at him now, and it's just funny now. Like I, I think it's funny to watch now. It's just like, ha, yeah, Juventus fans have fun having to watch that, have fun dealing with that. 
yeah, it's going to take a lot of effort for them to break down. But I think we've answered that question. I think we've answered both questions very well. Um, again, listeners, if you do have any questions, just or even a topic you'd like for us to discuss, it doesn't have to be a question per se, uh, that you'd like to hear our input on, uh, just drop us a tweet, mention us at the Real Champs FS, and we'll most certainly get to it. Thank you guys so much for being a part of another podcast for all of you listening, wherever you are in the world. We appreciate you taking out time from your day, having a listen with us, and we appreciate being a part of your day. Um, again, hope you enjoy the rest of it, wherever you are, night, day, morning, lunchtime, whatever it is, uh, and stay tuned for the next podcast. As always, Holland Madrid.